I was just saying, I, I never know when to end that meet and greet time because I think, you know, Brian, Matt, the band, I think sometimes we could just not show up. I know I couldn't show up because I usually am just sitting out there too. But we could not show up and you guys would still love it because you guys <laughs> love coming together as a body. And I, I just love the fellowship. I love hearing everybody talk. And so it's, it's sweet when that's going on. My name's Keen. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at the church. And it's a privilege to be up here speaking. I have seen Northwest back from the days when we were in uh, the kids center. And now we're over here and just seeing the lives and the stories and the people who are coming, and to know that there's more people that are going to be touched by the gospel because of what you are doing in the community is just awesome. I mean, that is what gets us excited. When we step back, and our favorite elder meetings are when we can step back and tell stories, when we can talk about what God is doing. And God is doing so much at Northwest and in Northwest Cary, and really around the world, as we're going to share in a, in a little bit. It's so cool to see God's fingerprint go out, and that's because of you being faithful, and that's, that's awesome. So I want to share uh, just briefly with you guys about some things that God has been putting on my heart lately, and uh, hopefully it can be an encouragement to you. I think a lot of times we, especially in this part of the world, are pretty blessed. I mean, we, we've got it good. We drive nice cars. Our roads are paved, and after being in Kenya last year, that's a blessing, let me assure you. You know, we, we've got food in the grocery store. I went to the grocery store, I think, three times yesterday. And um, I still don't think I got everything I needed. And, you know, you're just <laughs> like, really, Harris Teeter? Can I stop going through your doors one time today? And, and you know, it's, it's awesome. And so we have this very safe and enjoyable life, and that's good. I think it is good. But I think it also kind of makes it so that we wake up sometimes and we're going, is this all there is? Is this what my life is going to be defined by and how I'm going to be remembered as being a faithful shopper at Harris Teeter. You know, is, is that what I'm going to be known as? And that'll probably be one of my uh, LinkedIn, you know, skill sets I could list. But I think that there's so much more to that. And, and we're craving for how do we get more and how do we, not more stuff, but how do we experience more in life? And so recently I, I I did something that I thought would help me experience a little bit more. And last weekend, I wasn't in church because I decided with five of my closest neighbors and uh, two people that go here, my brother-in-law and Eric Mora, who I met, uh, he's only been coming to the church for a couple weeks and, or a couple months, and I reached out to him and we connected. And, and Scott, Scott ran it too. We decided to go down to Charlotte and run a 12-mile race. And uh, that's, that's fine, you know, 12 miles, you run half marathons, whatever. But this one, they decide to also throw in, you jump into a, a, a dumpster full of ice and you swim through that. And uh, then you have to climb over hay, hay bales. And uh, there's about 20 obstacles. And the one that the race is famous for, the one that it's famous for is you run through a field of wires that are hanging down and they are rotating 10,000 currents through different wires. And uh, it's pretty cool because if you time it right, you actually see somebody get knocked off their feet. And uh, I didn't have that happen. I was sliding over a hay barrel when it hit me, and so I was already falling down to the ground. And so you didn't see me fall off, but you saw my head jerk back, which was interesting. At least that's what's on the video. So, you know, you do these things, and you're probably looking at me going, that's crazy. Why would you do that? 
And uh, I can't explain why. I think it's sort of like the Everest thing. Why do you climb Everest? It, it's, you feel the challenges there. But I think a lot of times people in our world are trying to say, how do I feel more alive? How do I go out and have this adventure that's called life and experience it? And what's interesting is, is that if you do it apart from God, it's kind of like being a swimmer without wanting to get in the water. It's like saying, I want to go out and live an adventure, but I don't want to go that crazy. I don't want to go off the hook. I just want to have it safe in the box. And we think, especially living in Cary in the United States, that that's what our walk is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be, do I get the promotion? Did I make the team? And if those things are happening, God's blessing. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. We should be diligent. We should be the hardest worker in the office. We should be the hardest player on the field. We should be impact people. But the reality is that if we're looking for that, if we're looking for that to be our satisfaction, that unfortunately, I think a lot of us, myself included, are going to get to the end and we're going to go, really? That was the adventure? And I want to share that that's not what God intends. God does want us to do all those things. He wants us to be hard workers. He wants us to be good athletes. But he also wants us to realize that there's something much more than that. You know, as you look at great characters of the Bible, they were just normal people like you and I. And one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Joseph. I mean, the guy was delivering lunch to his brothers. I mean, talk about a menial task. I was the youngest. I had to bring food to my brothers because they'd beat me up if I didn't, not because my parents sent me. You know, I mean, that's, we do these simple things and we think that that's not important. But if we do those simple things with an eye on God, it can change our perspective on how we go through things. And then all of a sudden, that adventureless life starts becoming an adventure. It starts becoming something more. And so Joseph delivers a lunch ends up getting thrown in a pit, sold by his brothers, gets accused of things that he didn't do. Then he ends up in prison for years. And in the end, he ends up saving his people because he was faithful to God through the whole thing. You look at others, you look at David. David's taking care of sheep. He's out in the hills. You read through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, it's a great picture of a guy who just wanted to be simple, love the Lord. And then before long, he's one of the mightiest warriors. He is the mightiest warrior. And Saul's trying to kill him. And you're going, what? And so we think that God wants us to be in these safe boxes and really, you know, have a nice house and the air conditioning's always working, working and not to go on these crazy outside-the-box adventures. But God's saying, I want to take you so far outside of what you're comfortable doing because when we do that, you have no choice but to rely on me. No choice. You see, when I went through the Tough Mudder, and we all did that, and we worked out and did our things to get us to the point where we could be crazy enough to do the things we did, at the end of the day, that was by my own might. I woke up in the morning to run. I woke up in the morning to lift. But really, that's my power. God gave me those things, but it was my choice. God wants us to put us in a position where all we can do is rely on him. That the only option we have is God and God alone. So I want to share just a couple verses with you. 
And um, I think it, it can encourage you and challenge you at the same time about how we can be looking at God a little bit differently in our world. I'm not telling you don't go to work on Monday. I'm not telling you to, you've got to sell all your possessions today and go become a missionary in Ghana. But I am saying that be open to whatever God has before you. And these verses, I hopefully will encourage you to do that. 1 Corinthians 1.9, if you want to write those down. 1 Corinthians 1.9. And I'm reading from the message. And I've shared before when I've spoken that sometimes it's good to change things up and read from a different uh, translation. Make sure it's an approved one, but <laughs> make sure, you know, mix things up. Mix up your devotional. So 1 Corinthians 1.9 in the message says, God who got you started on this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. So let me first encourage you out of 1 Corinthians here that God started the adventure. He, he's not wanting you to just be bored with your Christian walk. He's wanting you to be on adventure, to go outside your bounds of what's comfortable. And that's going to be different for each person. This isn't a guilt message. This is an encouragement. He's empowered each one of us to do something unique for his glory, for his goodness. And I love the message that it says, an adventure. I mean, when I was a boy growing up, I remember playing on the side of Andy Parsons' house and us digging trenches and putting soldiers in the dirt and doing all this stuff and matchbox cars that we had to have and making this whole scene and then actually calling the newspaper because they had to come out and see our mud creation with the cars. It's so cool. They hung up on us. But to us, it was an adventure. It was crazy. It was awesome. And that's what God wants us to have. That's why God says, let the children come to me. They get it. They get the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to still have that heart of innocence, that heart of trust, and be willing to go out on an adventure. Next verse I want to share with you, 2 Corinthians 1.5. And this is from the New American Standard. 2 Corinthians 1.5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. That's a dichotomy. That, that's a what? So we got to share in his sufferings to get his comfort. And that's the beauty of God. That when we walk with him, when you guys go out on this adventure, when you leave the safety of the Harris Teeter and when I leave the safety of, of the nine to five job and we do something that God's saying that's outside the bounds, we start a Bible study at our work, we do something at school that we weren't expected to do, we share Christ, when those things start happening, we might suffer a little bit. But the cool part is that we're also comforted by Christ through that process. That he's not just leaving us out there on our own to suffer and be like, ugh. He went to the cross for us and suffered for us so that we might have restored relationship. That we might have the comfort of that relationship with Christ. We're celebrating that today. What a great picture of how we're supposed to walk through life. Sometimes it's going to be hard. But man, when it's hard, it's also good. That God's in that hardness. He's right there with us. I got to brag on my youngest a little. Yesterday, Parker was um, playing soccer, and he got invited to a second soccer game. And in between, he brought all his friends over to his house. And uh, we were riding in the car, and a couple of the kids were saying, uh, 
OMG. You guys know what that stands for. So they were saying it out loud, though. And there was a pause in the conversation, and I'm listening to music and kind of letting Parker do his thing, and he all of a sudden says, would you guys mind not saying that? And I thought, man, I love this kid. I've got to spank him a lot, but, I mean, I love this kid. I mean, he is just awesome. He's willing to step out and say, you know what? I'm glad you're my friends, but I'm glad, more glad that God is my God. And to me, that was just him saying, I embrace the adventure. I want to be a part of what God's doing, and I'm going to respect him, and I hope you'll respect him too. And that's so cool that as a nine-year-old, he's willing to take that risk. And it challenged me and encouraged me. Keen, don't live in the box. Live the adventure. Last verse I want to share with you is John 10.10. I think Brian shared before, it's one of his favorite verses. But it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This is John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So you see, God wants us to have an incredibly, incredibly fulfilled life. He wants us to live the adventure that's so much bigger than any of us could ever imagine. (coughs) He wants us to live the dream. But if we're not careful, the enemy does come in. And he robs us. And he takes that from us. And I'm telling you guys that when I've had those windows where I've stepped out, that God has always been there. I'm telling I at the same point, a lot of times I'm hanging back. That I'm staying safe. And God's saying, I have so much more for you. I have a full life. Don't let Satan take it from you. Have the abundant life. And that's what I love about Northwest. We were talking about community. One of the things that has happened here is I've had so many guys and ladies demonstrate to me how they've lived the life and are living the life. And this community that we're building here for God's glory is awesome. And I love it when it's, when it's lived out. So challenge one another, encourage one another, come alongside one another to say, listen, Christ wants more than just the safety net. He wants to be the swim, have us be the swimmers in the water. Let's not be afraid of the water. Let's dive in deep to God's glory and what he's doing. As we celebrate communion, as we come to the table here, I hope you'll realize that God's got big things for you. And as you embrace him, he'll embrace you through that journey. Let's pray. Father, you're so good. We thank you for your might, your power, your strength. And we thank you that today is not just going to be a wasted day if we follow after you first and foremost. Lord, we we just pray that you would give us your vision. Give us a vision like you gave Joseph. Give us a vision like you gave David. Give us a vision like you gave the disciples. May we be world changers, not for our glory, not for our own, but for your power and your might that you might receive praise. Father, we look forward to what you're going to do both in our lives and those that are going to be touched because of you working through us. Lord, we love you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are. We come to the table. Keen said just a minute ago that he, goes to the, he went to the grocery store three times yesterday. 
I've been to the grocery store three times in one day. And the reason is, is because I didn't remember what I was supposed to get, right? You've been there, right? Well, we come, we come to the table because the table is there for us so that we will remember what Christ did for us. The table is set because it's very clear, it's very evident that you don't have to live long to understand that we're all going to drift. We're all going to drift spiritually. We're all going to drift away from who Christ is in some way, shape, and form. And so what God does is he allows us to be members of a local church that believes that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He allows us to, to each several times during the year to come to the table and to remember that, hey, this is what I did for you so that you would remember what ultimately life is all about. It's not about yourself. You are going to drift. You're going to forget. And what I want you to do is I want you to come to the table and I want you to remember and I want you to celebrate with those that make up your local church to make up and, and understand that you can come to the table, you can remember what I did for you, that the Bible says that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In the text, it also says each time you meet, do this in remembrance of me. So, so the reason we come to the table, number one, is to remember what Christ did for us, but it's also to obey him. We have an ongoing saying in our house that we wanna obey right away. Obey right away, right? Don't let me ask you twice, I have four kids, they're 10, 9, 7, and 6. And we oftentimes talk about immediate obedience, not delayed obedience. And, and here's what the text teaches in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when Jesus is talking, or when Paul is talking about communion. He's, he's saying, hey, each time you do this, each time you gather together, I want you to have times where you come to the table and you, you remember. So we remember and we obey. And not only that, it is a time of consistent evaluation. The table is here for us to examine where we stand before a holy and righteous God. He's perfect, he is holy, and he deserves the absolute best that we could ever offer. And that's our obedience, and that's our submission to who he is and what he's all about so that we can understand truly what our purpose is for. Our purpose is there to glorify him, to honor him, and to bring fame to his name. And so we gather at the table we gather at the table really to remember. We gather at the table to really obey what Christ said. And, and we gather at the table really to pause and reflect, God, am I living the way that you would have me to live? If, if you were to appear before me, how would I respond? In relationship to other friends and other brothers, is there any kind of animosity or, or just unrest or, or disunity in our relationship. The scripture is really clear about taking and coming to the table and, and partaking in an unworthy manner. And, and so it's, yes, it's there for us to remember what Christ did. Yes, it's there for us to obey what he said to do. But it's also here for us, really, to come out and just say, God, I wanna examine where I stand before you because there is no greater question than for you to ask like Peter was asked, who do you say that I am? See, Peter was asked the question, who do you say that I am? And I think the table is a reminder of what our answer is and who it should be for. And that is for King Jesus. And so as those that are gonna help me pass out them, as I invite them to come forward, and what I'd like for us to do is, I'd like for us to go ahead and pray and ask those guys to go ahead and pray. As they're coming forward 
to help me pass out the elements, I wanna go ahead and pray for us right now. God, I'm so grateful for who you are and I'm grateful for this table. I'm really grateful for what this table represents. I'm thank you, thankful that we can come to the table and that we can see what it is that your, your blood did for us and what it is that your body did for us. Lord, nobody took your body. You gave up your body for us. And so, God, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we can sit here in this place. We can boldly proclaim that Jesus is the author of everything. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. I thank you for a great message to help us to realize that, God, you want, us to give, you want to give us abundant life, but abundant life is not stuff. Abundant life is your presence. And God, I pray that this table would remind us of your presence, that God, that the veil's been torn, that we can have a personal relationship with Jesus when we repent and believe in you. We don't have to go through someone, that we can go through you, and we recognize that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So God, as the elements are passed out, and as the deacons and the elders, as they do that, I pray that God, you would give us, get our hearts ready to remember what you did, to obey what you said, and to reflect on what you did for us and where we stand before you as a holy God. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Corinthians 11, 23 says this, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread and we had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Corinthians eleven twenty five says in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant so let me pause for a second aren't you grateful for the new covenant aren't you grateful that we don't have to sacrifice animals that Jesus Christ came and paid a debt he did not owe so that we might know him but what a beautiful beautiful demonstration of agape love unconditional love and he took the cup and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink. Drink in remembrance of me. I want to pray. God, I thank you so much for this table, for what the table represents. I thank you, God, for allowing us to be here and to remember, and to remember what you did for us. I thank you, God, for the blood that was shed. I thank you for the, the promises that you made. And I thank you that this table represents the promises that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that you came to give us abundant life and that abundant life, God, is truly, truly about your presence in our life. And that can certainly be abundant when sin is answered and forgiven. So Lord, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. I want us to go into a time of praying for what we know as the persecuted church. In 2005, in 2005, I went on a mission trip to China. And I, on that trip, I met up with two missionaries that were friends of mine. 
And they said, Matt, we'd like for you to meet an underground church pastor. He actually is a geologist by, by profession, but he gave that up to train local natives in East Asia to one day become followers, to, to be followers of Jesus and even to plant churches all over the world. And so we were met in this tea room in a place in East Asia. And I got there and 20 minutes later, this man came in, a little short Asian man on, on crutches with a big smile on his face. I, can, I still can see that smile right to this day. And he comes in, he comes into the room and he says, I'm sorry I was late, but they were following me. And I said, who, who were they, who were, who's they? And he said, Matt, basically what's going on in my life is that I am, I have given up my job as a professor. I've gone to the underground churches to teach these local followers of Jesus to then become local church planters all over the country. I was found out to what I did and they kidnapped me. And they kidnapped me and they put me on the second store of a building and I heard through the wall that Matt, they were going to kill me. And so I jumped, I jumped from a window on the second story. I jumped and I actually broke my leg so bad, not to be graphic, but it was really bad. Compound, Joe Theismann, you get the picture, bad. And he says, they saw me and they just let me crawl off into the woods. Someone found me, I got into a cab, I went to the hospital and he says, I just got out of the hospital, with a smile on his face, I just got out of the hospital uh, four days ago, four days ago. And he said, I wanted to make sure they weren't following me. Didn't want to endanger you, didn't want to endanger myself because if they see me with you, it's gonna be pretty evident what I do for a living. That right there was the first introduction, perhaps maybe the only introduction, considering that, that all the places that I've lived, of what it means to be really persecuted for your faith. To, to be told that you can't believe that, you can't share that, you can't talk about that, you can't reveal that, you can't live the way that we live. It was quite, quite overwhelming. And so uh, this past week, we gathered together as a staff and said, you know, it would be beautiful for us to have a time at the end of our, our coming to the table to pray for different issues that face our country. And one of them today is, is the persecuted church. And what I would like to do, the, the music's gonna be playing softly. It's, there's gonna be some slides that'll be introduced about some issues that where we can pray for the persecuted church and persecuted families. And, and I'm gonna say them, I'm gonna give you some time to pray. You pray as the Lord leads. And then in, in the end, I'll, I'll go ahead and conclude us with, with a prayer and wrap this time up and then Bill will come and uh, the team will come and they'll lead us in a song where it says, Jesus paid it all. So um, I'd like to go ahead and, and, and introduce the first topic that we'd like to pray for. The first topic is suffering families. Obviously, there are many families that have been affected. They're, they're not allowed to talk about Jesus. They're not, they're, their families are persecuted. So what I'd like for you to do as the music's played softly is for you to just spend some time praying for the, the suffering families, those that are in the persecuted um, areas that, of the world, mainly in the 1040 window. So would you spend some time just praying right there at your seat for those folks and the suffering families in this area?
Pray for families of imprisoned and martyred pastors. pastors who are imprisoned and martyred as their families lead those businesses. And the young girls and families affected by, the se- by sex trafficking, lift those up. I'd encourage you now to pray for the underground pastors themselves, their safety and protection, their comfort, and the supporters of those pastors. Let's pray for the persecuted communities, restoration of those communities that have been attacked because of their faith, the safety, and also basic human needs like food and water and medical aid for these communities. They don't normally have persecuted communities. of the gospel, the protection of these communities as Bibles and gospel literature is distributed, specifically North Korea, Afghanistan, and Saudi Arabia. God, it is such a privilege to be able to lift up those that where it is illegal, where it is against the law, to freely stand up and declare that Jesus is the only way to God, that Jesus is the Messiah. Lord, that is foreign to most of us sitting here in this room. And so Lord, we partner with like-minded churches even right now today that are praying for these people, these, these suffering, the families that are suffering, We lift them up to you right now for their protection. We lift up those pastors that perhaps are in prison. God, we thank you for those underground pastors. We pray that you would give them comfort, 
that you would really help them to understand that you are sufficient, that your grace is sufficient. God, we pray for their comfort. We pray for the supporters of these pastors, that they would continually help them and pray for them. And Lord, we join with like-minded people praying and lifting up those local church pastors right now. We also, God, pray for these persecuted communities. God, these whole communities have been ravaged by being told they can't do what they know is the one thing that is true. And so we pray for the families, for the young children. We pray for the wives, the mothers, and the young girls that you, God, you would protect them and keep them safe. And God, ultimately at the end of the day, we gather in this table to realize that life is truly about what you did for us not what we do for you. And so we're grateful for the grace that you give us and we're grateful for the message that we get to share. And so we pray for the gospel message to go forth in all of these um, areas of persecution, that God, literature would be brought in, that God, you would blind eyes of, of officials so that we can get the literature in so that people can hear and see and read about Jesus in their own language. And you would be with those who bring it over there. Get them there safely. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Lord, as we try to get that word into him, we pray that you'd be glorified. God, we're just grateful for this beautiful day. We're grateful that we can welcome new members in here. We're welcome that we can come to the table, that we can sing, that we can hear a message about living outside the box. Lord, let us understand that abundant life is not about a bunch of stuff. It's about your presence. And we can have an abundance of your presence. When we understand who we are, sinners that can be saved by Jesus and help us to know that. Again, we love you and we thank you for this great day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.